Good morning, everyone. This morning we are in Psalm 21, and quite a journey of study that I've had this morning. And uh, I pray that you be able to follow and benefit from this teaching this morning. I'd like to go through it quickly, and then we'll go through it in greater detail in a moment. So this is connected to Psalm 20. We mentioned that a while back when we went through Psalm 20, and it's praising God for military victory. Uh, David had much of that because uh, the blessing of God was upon him. In verse 1, it says, O Lord, in your strength the king will be glad, and in your salvation, which can also be interpreted victory. Um, the view of salvation that David had compared to what we have in Jesus today was a little bit different, and likely he's talking about earthly victory here. Not that he didn't have any hope for eternity, because he did, but it's just become all that much more clear through Jesus. And in your salvation or victory, how greatly he will rejoice. And of course, when God would give them military victory, what a blessing that would be. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. God has really blessed David in his leadership and Israel under his leadership, and then ultimately under his son Solomon's leadership after him. For you meet him with the blessings of good things. You set a crown of fine gold on his head. That's going to be interesting to look at in a moment. He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. And we're going to see more to that in a moment too. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you place upon him. I mean, David, although he faced many trials, he saw God also just deliver him over and over and over again. The blessing of God was upon him to help establish Israel in the land and ultimately to be very prosperous under Solomon. Unfortunately, they just didn't follow God very well. Splendor and majesty you place upon him. You make him most blessed forever. You make him joyful with gladness in your presence. David is really just feeling the overwhelming sense of victory and joy from the Lord and how God has provided for him. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness of the Most High, he will not be shaken. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. Now, remember, back in that day when there was military battles, I mean, they would devour each other. I mean, they would kill a lot of times the women and children, everyone. I mean, it was, war was brutal. Not that it's not brutal now. Uh, it's brutal now, but it was brutal then as well. And it would really make you hate your enemies. And when you were victorious over your enemies, you take took great joy in that because it was either going to be them or you. So at times we'll see that in the Psalms where David's having joy in their victory and even in their his enemy's destruction. Verse 9, You will make them as a fiery oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will devour them. Their offspring you will destroy from the earth, and their descendants from among the sons of men. Now, you know, it sounds like you're celebrating the death of others, and in a sense you are, because... You know, if, if they're trying to kill you and destroy you and now your enemies are dead, they can no longer kill you and destroy you. And if God provides the blessing that you're not destroyed through their destruction, um, you know, there's there's joy in not being destroyed and having that military victory. 
Though they intended evil against you and devised a plot, they will not succeed. For you will make them turn their back. You will aim with your bowstrings at their faces. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. David is giving glory to God for how God has blessed him in victory. You know, it was promised to David, if we go back to 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, and I'm going to pick it up, and I'm going to pick it up in verse um, verse 11b, to be over my people Israel. This is about uh, David's life. And I will give you rest from all your your enemies. The Lord also declares to you that the Lord will make a house for you. When your days are completed and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your descendant. That's going to be Solomon after you, who will come forth from you, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. See, David was promised a forever kingdom. I will be a father to him, and you will be a son to me. And anyways, God was promised. It goes on to say in verse 16, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. So what an incredible promise of David. And now you can see with that promise how God kept delivering David and kept giving him these amazing military victories, even though a lot of times he was at the run at times in his life and people were after him, but he just kept being victorious because that promise was upon him. But in, in Solomon's life, it was sold it was told to Solomon that you know Solomon this blessing is upon you David's son but don't forsake me and don't go after other gods because otherwise this blessing that I'm giving you can be temporarily removed ultimately Jesus came from the family line of David and the forever kingdom is going to be ultimately fulfilled in Jesus and it is partially spiritually fulfilled through his church now but ultimately, it's going to be filled with, fulfilled when Jesus Christ returns uh, in the family line of David to rule and reign in the millennial reign when he returns after the end of the tribulation. So, the promise that God gave Samuel or God gave David in Samuel, Second Samuel seven, is going to be fulfilled and through Jesus. But there's a temporary pause in David's kingship rule because of the kings of Israel and Judah forsaking God and following false gods. <clears throat> so I want to take you back for a moment to where it said in verse 3, you set a crown of fine gold on his head. And that's very interesting because if you move forward to Ezekiel, now, Ezekiel is prophesying many years later when King Nebuchadnezzar is about to come in and overthrow Judah and Jerusalem and deport the people to Babylon. And Ezekiel is getting prophetic vision and talking about uh, how there's going to be a change in this and how, you know, so far Jerusalem survived. Um, the northern tribes of Israel have already been defeated by Assyria, and also now King Nebuchadnezzar. But Judah still is surviving, but it's about to be overthrown. And David's 
kingdom is going to come to a temporarily end for what's called uh, the times of the Gentiles. And what I want to read to you is in Ezekiel, listen to verse 26. Remember we saw the crown that was going to be on his head? Thus says the Lord, this is Ezekiel 21, 26. Thus says the Lord God, remove the turban and take off the crown. This will no longer be the same. Exalt that which is low and abase that which is high. A ruin, a ruin, a ruin, I will make it. This will be no more until he comes whose right it is, and I will give it to him, capital H, capital he, capital H, him. When Jesus comes back in his return, it's going to be restored. But what happened is, is Israel lost its nation in the deportation that happened under King Nebuchadnezzar. And what was ushered in is what's called a time of the Gentiles, meaning when Jerusalem is not a pure place of worship for the Jewish people. In fact, even now, that fact that Israel is a country again, they still have uh, Gentiles essentially leading Jerusalem. I mean, there's a mosque where the Temple Mount used to be. So even though Israel is a country again, the the Gentile uh, influence in the land has not been removed and their temple has not been restored. So it's interesting when we think of Gentile, there's in this time of the Gentiles, let me take you to that. Go to uh, Luke 21. Luke 21. And this is in Luke 21, Jesus is talking about the end times and ultimately the return of Jesus. And listen to what it says in verse 23 and 24. Uh, Jesus is saying this before he went to the cross. Woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days, for there will be great distress upon the land and wrath to this people. And they, and I believe this is unbelieving Gentiles and Jews who have rejected the Messiah, this wrath to this people, and they will fall by the edge of the sword and will be led captive into all nations, and Jerusalem will be trampled underfoot by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Now, you may realize that the gospel has now come to Gentiles, and Gentiles can come to faith and then be part of the church. And in a sense, then, they're not pagan Gentiles anymore. So the times of the Gentiles is when Jerusalem is influenced by pagan rule. And it's still influenced by pagan rule now. There's a mosque in the middle of Jerusalem. And that is not going to come to an end until after the tribulation when Jesus Christ returns and set up his millennial kingdom. So the times of the Gentiles began when King Nebuchadnezzar overthrew Jerusalem in 586 BC, and it's still the times of the Gentiles right now where Jerusalem isn't a pure place of worship for the, you know, for the Jewish people, and it's going to last that way all the way through the end of the tribulation until Jesus Christ comes back again. And that's why the crown that was on David's head, you know, essentially has been removed during this season of the times of the Gentiles 
So although David's celebrating this crown and his blessing now, because of the Jewish people not following him well during the Old Testament days and ultimately now rejecting the Jewish Messiah, Jesus, uh, it's the times of the Gentiles. Now, in this time of the Gentiles, it's also a time for Gentiles and Jews and anyone else to come to faith in Jesus and become part of the church. And although then you may be a Gentile in a sense that you were not a Jew, a, a Gentile is a non-Jew, there's a difference between a non-believing pagan Gentile and a Gentile like you and I who have come to faith in Jesus and are now part of his church. Isn't that really interesting? So, you know, it's interesting to marvel as we went through Psalm 21 at the great victory that God was giving David because he promised that victory to David. But unfortunately, that blessing was lost for a time, for a season during the times of the Gentiles because David's ultimate, you know, the, the kings of Israel ultimately didn't lead Israel to worship God rightly. And so that was probably more than you were expecting this morning and honestly more than I was expecting this morning. But wow, what an incredible thing. God's word is so rich and so beautiful. You may have to listen to that, to that again and perhaps uh, turn back to those scriptures yourself if you want to see it for yourself. But uh, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Uh, we're thankful that in this time of the Gentiles, when there's still pagan worship taking place in Jerusalem, that we, the church, have moved to the front of the line. We've become part of God's family through faith and may more and more do that, uh, may more come to faith in Jesus before uh, the time is up. God bless you all.